Hello, I'm Mal, longtime Percy Jackson fan and Luke hater. Glad I can finally say that one because <laughs> I feel very strongly. Um, anyway. And I'm Julie, Percy Jackson slut extraordinaire. My flower has been taken. I'm a woman now. <laughs> you, you read a whole book. We're here. A whole book. And this is this is Demigod debut and the final episode of us discussing Julie's first time reading The Lightning Thief, which is crazy. Um, we also have a special guest um, with us for this very exciting moment, and it is my friend from college, Sydney, who I love very, very dearly. Sydney, tell us about yourself. I would absolutely love to. Thanks, Mel. Um, for starters, I just want to say I am a VIP, a very important podcaster. So thank you so much for having me on this show. I was called upon when Mallory had this idea because I have dabbled in the world of podcasting to make success. I think you guys actually uh, are more successful than I ever was because I think we peaked at eight listeners. So I passed the baton on to you officially. So to give you guys some background, like Mel said, a uh, friend from college and whenever she references a friend on the podcast, most often it's me. However, I've never actually been name dropped until this moment. I feel like you were sorry. You were saving it for a big reveal at the end. Protecting your identity. Also, I feel like that's the that's the most professional anyone has ever sounded on this podcast. And should I loosen up a little bit? <laughs> oh, Sydney, tell us about your demigod debut. Like, when did you first read the Percy Jackson series? Um, so my demigod debut was when I was around seven or eight years old. My mom actually was the one who introduced The Lightning Thief to me. Um, she read the first book out loud to me at night um, as a bedtime story, and I absolutely adored it, and I took it away from there. Funnily enough, it became a book that my whole family really enjoyed. Flash forward a couple years later, my family, uh, so my parents and my sister were road tripping to California. And rather than listen to music, my mom played some audiobooks in the car, and so she... Um, Played in the car first four books of the series because my dad got such a hoot out of the first book he was like man I really like this kid um so he was a big Percy Jackson fan as well so um it became like this family thing that we all like to do together we were so excited when the movies came out and then so disappointed when the movies came out and then so excited for the show to come out um so we would have long discussions about this so I feel like it's been a large part of my life and my growing older um and just this really important bonding piece between the That's four so of us wonderful. I love people that have had it be like a family thing because it was never really a family thing for me like my parents don't care and the only one that cared was my youngest brother and he grew out of it and got like way too cool for anything that I was into very quickly um well you know the um invitation to be adopted into my family has been extended to you so anytime you want to jump ship <laughs> we'll take you wait do you want to know something kind of horrifying not really horrifying but kind of horrifying that happened to me this week so I had a fifth grade student who was reading the fourth Percy Jackson book and she like opened it up and looked at the copyright page and went 2009 that was before I was born and I was like oh my god I'm a fossil I'm so old oh my god that's horrific I'm like I was reading these books in 2009 for the first time like I remember being a person in 2009 I was conscious in 2009 oh, oh my god that girl has never witnessed a Yankees World Series that is 
tragic oh so As sad it should be. Mm-hmm. tragic can we talk have you guys seen all the memes about the pants for a second i'm oh trying God, yes yes what yes, the, the hell is going pants. on there they're just... horrible like are we trying I'm to they're awful the mlb are we trying to create a viral moment for the mlb i don't well know. and the way that it's been so many pictures of the astros specifically circulating because their uniforms are like very white yes i'm like oh my god this does not make us look good oh my gosh and the one guy who's like bent over to like catch oh the god ball. oh my yes. gosh i just there are things that i wish i could purge from my mind and that's one of them oh my gosh no, the it's, entire it's dick horrific. is yep. just yep. out there on the internet forever i feel so bad yeah i know that poor man baseball pants what a time so we should all say what kind of tumbler we operated back in the day (laughs) what what got me onto tumblr i'm trying to think it might have been percy jackson like that might have been the first thing that i was on tumblr for i believe it mine was um captain america which that feels right that out loud I feel like it does imply something about me that I don't want to be public um, information (laughs) too much and you know a lot of times (laughs) oftentimes on this podcast um domestic and international terrorism is brought up so I do feel like that kind of ties everything together (laughs) listen I have a brand and I'm not ashamed of it I feel like we need we need Cindy to come out here more often this is already fun (laughs) I can mediate between the two vibes. For sure, for sure. Right, I feel like you fit very nicely, like, right in the middle of both of us. You get the best of both worlds. Chill it out, take it slow. Then you rock out the show. (laughs) I was just listening to, what is it, GNO, as, like, my... I was pumping myself up for cardio. I was like, oh my god, this is my cardio song. I love this so much. It's a girls' night. Okay, I have this very vivid memory. This was um the first sleepover that I was able to successfully complete. I was in third grade and I was invited over to this girl's house and it was like a Hannah Montana themed party. So like she had all of the music videos um that were out at the time playing on a loop. But here was the deal. There weren't that many music videos either Miley or Hannah had out at that time. So I just remember watching the GNO. It was like the live recording of some concert she did like 10 different times that evening. I could not tell you a single thing about that night other than that Hannah Montana music video. That sounds like a great time, actually. Like I would do it now. I would do that now. It was so much fun. In the abstract, yeah, so much fun. But I wish I could access, like, what else did we do? I think there was a craft. Because, you know, at a girl sleepover, there was always a craft. And then once we got older, it was doing our nails with the black crackle nail polish that was like a hit in 2012. Uh-huh. See, I had a I had a sleepover, not of Hannah Montana songs, but it was when High School Musical 2 dropped. And so we all went over to this one girl's house to watch High School Musical 2. Um, but I remember that very vividly because I hadn't seen High School Musical 1 at the time. Sacrilege. But I, because, well, okay, because my mom wouldn't let me, when I was in elementary school, like young elementary school, she wouldn't let me watch um, shows that were about high schoolers. She was like, you don't need, you don't need all that right now. But she let me go to this party because I had moved like at the end of that school year. And so I hadn't seen those friends in like a month. And so she was like, okay, fine. Like you can go back to your old friends. And so I saw High School Musical 2 before I saw High School Musical 1. And 
I remember liking it. And then my mom let me watch the first one. So a win. That's wild. So what was your context for the second movie? Um, How much of it did you understand as you were watching it? What kind of stories did you make up in your head about those characters? Well, I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember being confused. I may have been, but I don't know. I feel like High School Musical 2 can kind of stand alone because they're like, it's all about them having this summer job. And so you don't necessarily need the context of like the musical that they did last year. That's true. But there's so many interpersonal relationships that you miss out on if you haven't seen the first movie that you know, then that gets lost in translation into the second movie because a lot of the plot of the second movie relies upon the fact that you know what the tensions are between Gabriella and Troy and Sharpay. But also I was nine. So really how much of the intricacies was I like picking up on anyway? That's fair. And you know what? I'm going to turn it back to Percy Jackson. And I feel like that relates a lot to your experience as a nine-year-old reader of the Percy Jackson books, because you were unable to predict the twists and turns because you were new to the world of literature and media. And so your brain was trying to form all of these connections. Um, So it wasn't that you had a lack of reading comprehension. It's just that those pathways are being built in your mind. I feel like you've been dying to say that based on all the times I've called myself stupid for the things <laughs> I didn't pick up on as a child. <laughs> like, you're not stupid. You're just nine. <laughs> I was actually 11. Um, no excuse. No excuse at 11. Yeah, so so that that's too old. That's too old to not have seen the things coming. Um. So we had chapter 21, aka I Settle My Tab. I have to say the way that Percy gets out of the whole like being wanted by the law thing is so funny to me. Like the way that the news decides that like Aries was some crazy kidnapper who dragged Percy and his friends across the country in a quote unquote odyssey of terror. And they like basically rewrite everything to fit this narrative that like Aries was there for all the things and like he was behind it. You know, I have to say that is one of my absolute favorite parts of this book because I think it's just so funny (laughs) that here was Percy um, labeled as like a threat to the United States and then um, he has this redemption arc in the eyes of the public um, and then he ends up going on the equivalent of CNN in universe and is like sobbing all I want to do is see my unfather game again like the kid can act honestly and uh, when he's like I'm sure my stepfather would want to give everyone in the beautiful city of Los Angeles a free major appliance from his store like which this is so devious the way his mind works is amazing because not only is he losing money on um his inventory because he has to ship it but he also has to ship it across the country so like double in the negative for Gabe so a Percy Jackson win in my book and also like even if Percy doesn't believe that Gabe is actually going to give out these appliances like at the very least he's going to get a lot of phone calls and that's going to be annoying absolutely but I have to say one of my favorite parts of this book because I don't know I just think it's really funny is when Percy's like going through the whole thing and he's like finally brave Percy Jackson and they're like in parentheses I was beginning to like this kid like it's just it's just funny <laughs> they wrapped it up very nicely I, I liked I liked it it was good yeah like obviously we couldn't let him continue to be wanted for like domestic terrorism but also no I'm not gonna do it continue no no do it do it do it <laughs> Say it. We all know what you're about to say. Listen. (laughs) 
after 9 11. <laughs> the bar for domestic terrorism quite low. Quite low. If, if Percy is considered a domestic terrorist, but that's that's all I want to say. You know, not only is he on the mortal no fly list, he's also on the immortal no fly list. <laughs> Okay, I have a question. And yes, I know that we are in the realm of make-believe and that this is a story and all of those things. But in the text, it says that these children got on a plane in LA, landed in LaGuardia. But all three of them are unaccompanied minors. So how did that work? True. Maybe it was because, like, with the police involved, they knew that they lived back in New York. Or at least Percy lived back in New York, so they were sending him home. But I feel like... Well, I guess there's always a flight mar- or U.S. Uh, marshal on every single flight, I believe, unless I'm making that up. Um, this U.S. air marshal was a son of Hermes and was like, look, I will shepherd these children. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. I've never considered that. Um, the one thing, though, that I did consider, I feel like every iteration of Percy Jackson, the movie, the show, the musical, even the book, missed out on a golden opportunity for like a silly little moment in which they try to get the bolt and all their weapons through airport security oh hilarious that would have been good oh yeah yeah i feel like that would that would be so good i would tsa would not know what to do like and then you could get like a scene kind of like pull percy's bag and he's like oh shit they're gonna find the bolt but really it's because he's got like a water bottle in there or something like (laughs) one thing one thing i do appreciate they do fly into the correct new york airport laguardia is always my choice but it's hard to get to it is but newark is worse because you have to go to jersey newark is not even in the equation though newark's nice though it's kind of a nice airport like comparatively i mean i only have the eerie dinky airport to compare it to but and if you fly to buffalo they only land in newark so if i fly to back to new york i have to fly into newark i mean I, I don't hate Newark, like, as an airport. It's just stupid to get to. So, landed in LaGuardia. Okay, so, Percy sends Grover and Annabeth off to camp ahead of him. Um, and he says that this is because if the gods don't believe him and smite him, someone should survive to tell Chiron, which is... Heartbreaking. Dark. And heartbreaking, yeah. Percy, in the lobby of the Empire State Building... He marches right up to the guard, and the guard is reading what I assume is supposed to be Harry Potter. It's a book with a wizard on it. Yes. Um, fun, fun little nod to the other fantasy series that we're not going to talk about because of the author's views on things. Um, also, one I haven't read, and now you will never read. <laughs> keep it that way. And we'll never read. The time has passed <laughs> for sure. So Percy has to go to the 600th floor. The guard says there's no such thing. And then says Zeus doesn't see anyone without an appointment. And Percy goes, are you sure about that? And shows him the bolt and maybe kind of threatens to use it on him. And the guard lets him up. And then once he gets up to the top, there's a walkway. And then he's in the top of a mountain with a giant city on Olympus. And so I did I did some math here because Percy says that below him he can see Manhattan from the height of an airplane, but the Empire State Building is like 1,200 feet tall at its tallest floor, and it's 102 floors. So, like, just kind of a guesstimation math. Like, if you just multiply by six, Olympus would be about 7,500 feet up, and airplanes 
fly at like 30,000 feet. So it would not be the height of an airplane. It would be much lower than an airplane, right? Or am I was I- going to say, why didn't Jay-Z and Alicia Keys talk about this in Empire State of Mind, people? <laughs> New York, concrete jungle, wet dream tomato. <laughs> what a great song. Anyway. Yeah. So Olympus, according to Percy, looks like an ancient city, but not in ruins. He says it's the way Athens must have looked thousands of years ago. I want to know what that looks like. Like, I am dying to know what the ancient cities looked like. Um, Yeah, there's a bunch of other description here that I'm just going to kind of gloss over. But there's also a big palace um, that Percy points out. And he says it kind of looks like a reverse copy of Hades' palace. Like, Hades tried to make his own Olympus underground since he wasn't welcome on the real one, which is a bummer. And we said last time we are Hades apologists, and I continue to be a Hades apologist. All right. I can get on board with that. Absolutely. I'm down. Join. I'm. Be added to this club. Hades simp. I'm a total Hades simp. Hades in Hades town simp. That's the image. I love that man so much. We should get jackets. Jackets that say Hades simp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right so we go into the throne room there are two gods there and okay so it's zeus in his like pinstripe suit and then it's poseidon dressed like he's going on a beach vacation he's got on his birkenstock sandals his khaki shorts a shirt with coconuts and parrots and he kind of looks like percy with dark hair and sea green eyes and i know that like zeus wears the suit to like look powerful and authoritative but like Mm -hmm. if you could choose to wear whatever you want like why would you not dress like poseidon all the time like his outfit well it's to me kind of like being an associate professor versus a tenured professor you know like (laughs) so this is like trying really hard to make a good impression but here Poseidon has tenure he can't lose his job I'm gonna rock up to work in my Hawaiian shirt I was gonna have a good time so who's really winning it's Poseidon I don't know I was thinking maybe it's like the lesbian in me that I'm like ah yes the ugliest outfit that's the one I want to wear (laughs) like the pattern shirt and the Birkenstocks yes please Mm -mm. I'm wearing like vintage Prada that's that's what I would wear as a god I'd be like access to the archives I'm there oh this is a good question what would I wear as a god ah man it would be a t-shirt and jeans and a pair of Birkenstock clogs (laughs) it would be so low-key are you sure you're not a lesbian Well, the Birkin the Birkenstocks clogs are slightly different than just like mm. toes out to the world Birkenstocks, I feel. I'll give you that toes out. It's very true. It's very true. Percy like talks to his dad first and Zeus gets salty about this and starts talking about like, oh, you still claim him? Like even despite the oath? And Poseidon's like, chill, I have admitted my wrongdoing, which yikes. Um, your child is standing right there and like sure he's an oops baby, but don't call him a wrongdoing to his face like the first time you met baby daddy drama <laughs> baby daddy drama for sure <laughs> and percy says he can't tell what his dad is thinking and he's kind of glad because it feels like any sort of affection would feel fake and percy fills in zeus on what happens and gives him the bolt and zeus can tell he's telling the truth but also says that thievery isn't exactly aries's style and percy tries to tell him that Ares didn't act alone and explains all the dreams and the voice in the pit and Zeus and Poseidon have this conversation in ancient Greek and Percy only catches the word father 
And then Zeus is like, we can't talk about this anymore. And Percy better be gone when he gets back or he's going to zap him. And then Zeus is gone. I hate Zeus. I hate Zeus more than I hate Luke. I <laughs> cannot stand, <laughs> cannot stand Zeus. This is the haters episode, clearly. So the <laughs> hater in us comes out. <laughs> yeah, the hater in me comes out because I didn't want to influence um, Julie's opinion on anyone. But now that she's had time to form her own opinions. <laughs> <laughs> the true colors are being shown. Um, But I would have to agree. Um, Ultimately, I do think that in at least this first book, while Zeus is not the main antagonist, I do think he's a tertiary antagonist because, uh, I mean, it's all the gods. They're all very hot-headed, but because he is so hot-headed about this, he is about to plunge um, the physical and metaphysical world into war over um, something that he has no evidence was done from Poseidon's end. Um, and, like, such is the story of the gods, right? They're all very... Well, and he's also the reason that they had to travel across the U.S. like by train and bus and stuff because like Percy can't fly because because of Zeus. Because of Zeus. So clearly there is some part of him that maybe sort of wants this war to like one up his brother once again. And I think, you know, one of the major themes that comes out of this book um, is that the gods are really very thoughtless um, to their creations. And so what does creation then do in return? Thing. we gotta get sydney on here more often god like actual analysis <laughs> what is this like i don't hey hey did you used to be an english teacher just wondering by the way i used to be an english teacher storing it all up inside of me to unleash <laughs> incredible incredible i love it i'm just glad we get to be along for the ride this is what like sitting in grad school felt like when all these people would have really good ideas and then I would just pipe up with like the most obvious shit ever and be like, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. <laughs> exactly. Have I mentioned 9-11 yet? Actually, that was me in grad school too. I was like, how can I relate this <laughs> to the Iraq war? Like, that's the only thing I care about. So we did all relate. You masterminded it. Ex- exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's what you did your, like, master's thesis on, right? The Iraq War? Okay, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but one one thing you did get correct, um, Percy figures out that the thing in the pit is Kronos, so mark that down as a correct prediction for Julie. Thank you. And did that one piss you off, too? That one? I read that, and I was like, I was like, I wonder if uh, Mal got mad at that one. <laughs> That one, not, the one I was the most mad about was the shoes. Like, <laughs> it's like I knew those shoes were booby trapped. <laughs> not even the arrival at like Luke is being suspicious because I'm like, yeah, okay. It's like they're laying it on pretty thick, but the yeah. way that you were immediately like, oh, he did something to the shoes, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Percy's like very insistent that like okay we can't we can't just ignore this like Kronos is trying to rise from the pit and Poseidon's like no he can't like he's done this before like he speaks in the minds of men but like he 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 can't rise again and this whole thing this whole thing feels very much like what I feel right now like just watching 
the government ignore problems and like just make stupid decisions that you're just sort of powerless to stop like hey what if we did something about climate change or like hey what if we stopped funding atrocities overseas and they're just like no heart emoji in fact like we're gonna take away abortion rights like <laughs> this this whole thing like it is it is bleak out there it is bleak but i i agree with you i think this does speak to just feelings that people have and uh feelings people are more uh ready to recognize as they grow older that the powerless are often out of touch with those who have no power and so um it's a pretty weighty topic for a children's novel but I mean we also know that children's novels often um explore and teach children themes um that they better grasp into adulthood but to kind of prime them to be able to recognize that within the world so I think Percy Jackson is really just a powerful character in that he teaches children and all readers how to speak truth to power um and what one individual and one team can do and not to not to bring this back to the Iraq War, but I will. This book is written in what two thousand five. Like the two thousand four yeah. election was about the Iraq War, and so John Kerry versus Bush. And after two thousand four, you start to see kind of like the public turn on, I think, the Iraq War, and that kind of like speaks to you. Do have these people? You just reelected him, so he's got four years, three years in power, doing the same things. And it's almost like everyone in the U.S. and the rest of the world, you can even kind of expand it to everybody in the rest of the world is watching the U.S. do this. And there's nothing they can do to stop it. There were huge protests in like the U.K., but Tony Blair and Bush were best friends, like very, very much on the same page, even though he was ostensibly a left labor leader. And with this new labor um and <laughs> caused the destruction single-handedly of the new labor movement crazy and that's impacting geopolitics today wow it's crazy how i can literally make it all come back to this um but very interesting how like i mean i don't think he necessarily i have no idea what the, the author's position on the iraq war was but it's kind of interesting to see how that powerlessness that we feel today is was very much, I think, very much um, kind of a major feeling when when he wrote the book. Yeah, yeah. Because let's talk about what Poseidon has to say about his mom. Because that's that's the next thing on my list. So Poseidon says like they they gotta they can't talk about this, but uh, Percy should know that Hades has returned his mom. And Percy like thinks for a second about asking his dad to like come back with him and see his mom, and he's like, that would be crazy. And Poseidon tells him there's a package waiting for him. He has to decide what to do with it. And he calls Sally a queen among women and says that he hasn't met a mortal like her in a thousand years, which I feel very normal about that. (laughs) I have normal feelings about that. He's trying to manic pixie dream girl Sally and that's not okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Wait, oh my god, do they have a situation ship? <laughs> no, they're not allowed. They're not allowed to have a situation ship because he's not allowed to go visit. Um, a textuation ship? Ooh, it's just text. that's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> All the gods do is eat hot chip and lie. <laughs> that's what I have to say about this chapter. <laughs> so true. 
It's so true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Like, Poseidon just says he's sorry Percy was born because he's going to have to face a hero's fate, which is going to be tragic. And as he leaves, Poseidon's like, you know, you've done well and you're a true son of the sea god, but like, there's no, like, I'm proud of you. I guess this is as close as we get to an I'm proud of you. But all in all, like, could have had a worse first meeting with deadbeat dad. Yeah, so then Percy goes back to his mom's apartment. They're reunited. She says she appeared at home that morning and doesn't remember anything since the Minotaur, but Gabe filled her in about how Percy was wanted and then made her go to work because she had a month's salary to make up. Piece of shit. Piece of shit. I'm going to kill Gabe. That's literally what I wrote. Gabe remains an incredible piece of shit, so much so <laughs> that it's almost impressive. Almost impressive. Like, yeah. What? Oh, God. Almost. I'm not going to give it to him, but Jesus Christ. And Gabe is absolutely living the way that, like, 19-year-old boys do when they get their first apartment in college and they don't know how to do their laundry and they don't know how to cook for themselves, and so they just kind of have, like, trash everywhere and like dirty clothes and this is just very much clearly a man who has had a woman like doing all the labor around the house for him for years and so when she was gone like there was no one to do it and hot take actually not even that hot he deserves what he gets for this alone because if you have a job and your partner has a job but for some reason you are still making them do all of the like labor around the house jail Jail. Have you seen that tweet where it was like um, a man was like complaining like, well, if my wife's not going to do the laundry, why would I marry her? Why wouldn't I just marry like one of my best friends? Like if nobody's going to do the laundry, I was like, okay, just marry one of your best friends, your male best friends then. Just do ma- marry one of your bros. Leave us out of it. Like <laughs> We're real. <laughs> shouldn't your wife be one of your best friends anyway? Like, shouldn't you actually like your wife? Straight people don't like each other. I cannot even begin to tell you how many um, posts in Am I the Asshole? So it's the subreddit on Reddit where people would invent and ask Am I the Asshole? All come down to men are not willing to take on any domestic labor in heterosexual partnerships. And then ultimately, once they have a couple kids and they've been living this way and the wife is taking on all of this work, the wife kind of snaps and has enough and throws down an ultimatum and the guy is going well am i the asshole for flat out refusing to do the laundry for my wife once a week yes yes, yeah yeah. the answer answer. is always yes (laughs) always always the ones that really get me are the ones where like your wife just had a baby and she's like (gasps) up all hours of the night like feeding the baby and he's like am i the asshole for not wanting to cook dinner or for like being mad at my wife for not having dinner and like the laundry done i'm like yes Yes, you yes. are. There's like this woman who had like had COVID. She had COVID and then there were dishes like everywhere. It's like you couldn't even load the dishwasher? Are you is this a joke? Like, oh my god. I don't know. If you're going to random strangers on the internet for validation, I feel like um you should just assume you're the asshole. Yeah. Yeah, you should assume you're in the wrong. You know, that's fine. Cause you know who would never do that? Perseus Jackson. <laughs> Amen. He is, he is a man who respects women. He's a white guy <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Gabe tells, or Gabe says he's going to call the police and like Sally goes to stop him. And 
Gabe, when he raises his hand, Sally flinches and Percy realizes like, hell no, this dick has been hitting my mom. And so he like moves to get out his sword, but realizes it's not going to work on Gabe since he's mortal. And so Sally kind of ushers him back to his room. And while they're there, a package appears on his bed. And it's the same one that he sent to the gods from Medusa's place. And Percy offers to straight up murder Gabe with it. And Sally tells him he can't solve all her problems for her. And Percy leaves the box with her and lets her make her own choice, which is good. I love this plot line. Um, I support women's wrongs. And I think that more women should be allowed to straight up murder abusive men. Amen. And I also really appreciate that um, pretty consistently, Rick is really good about giving the women in his stories autonomy which um did not happen very often in 2004 2005 um so uh i think that was just really important yeah that's true like she doesn't have to be some damsel who's like waiting for her 12 year old son to save her right. like she she can do her own murders and we love that well that's that's that chapter chapter 21 anybody have anything else to say i don't think i have any final thoughts i think my thoughts were expressed along with the narrative so I just am really excited to dive into chapter 22, I think. Let's keep going. Okay, okay. Chapter 22, the prophecy comes true, or as I like to call it, maybe the lightning thief was the friends we made along the way. Because, oh my you know, gosh. it was... <laughs> <laughs> Get you. off the stage. <laughs> I don't, actually, I changed my mind. I don't want Sydney here because you two are just going to gang up on me. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to heckle you. you <laughs> yeah. So they go back to camp, or Percy goes back to camp. I guess Annabeth and Grover are already there. They're back at camp. It's a big celebration since they're the first ones to return alive from a quest um, since Luke. And there's a feast and they get laurels and they also get to burn their like unused burial shrouds. And so the Athena cabin made Annabeth like this gorgeous shroud. It's got embroidered owls and Percy tells her it's a shame not to bury her in it. Flirting 101. Mm love them then the thing that gets me is that the Aries cabin is the one that like volunteered to make percy's shroud and it's very disrespectful there's like smiley faces with x out eyes and the word loser and like this is funny given that he didn't die but i'm like why would chiron allow them to make this why did chiron let them do this <laughs> when would the adults have stepped in like <laughs> i i will say that like as, as a teacher, like, I let my students get away with a lot, but there's, like, one thing that I'm not going to let kids get away with, and it's, like, disrespecting each other, and, like, this feels, like, too far. Like, this this is this is too far for me. I mean, he let the bullying happen yeah, throughout the I camp. That's true. Okay, the, the management practices of Camp Half-Blood need to be reviewed. Absolutely they do, because people, like, the children have gone feral. Teams need to be reined in, but in fact, I do think it's encouraged because they're like, well, life is hard, and so is camp. Well, and my hot take is I'm kind of a Chiron hater as well. Like, I, I just, I think he's he's kind of useless. Like, he doesn't, he he's just kind of there to be like cryptic and like let Percy know that there's like, oh, these things that are going on that I can't tell you yet for the plot, you know. Right. He's more of a facilitator than he is a hero trainer, a hero facilitator. Yeah. And I understand he serves a purpose in the story and there wouldn't be a story if he just gave up the ghost at the very beginning. But is he good at his job? 
I don't know. I think Mr. D needs to do a performance review. But also, Zeus needs to do a performance review on Mr. D as well. But also, Zeus is kind of a piece of shit. So I I need, like, an outside outside agency. You need the state to come in. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling, I'm calling um, CPS. Well, and it also actually. says a lot about how much Zeus, like, values Camp Half-Blood. The fact that he, like, punished Mr. D by sending him there. Like, this mm. is a man who's going to have yeah. to deal with, like, yeah, who is this a punishment for? It's a punishment for everyone involved. Yeah. Children. I mean, like when you call your own children wrongdoings, um, are you really going to care about other people's kids as well? Absolutely not. Well, we saw how much Zeus cared for his own kid, turning her into a tree. Which, okay, that that brings me to something that I thought of when I was editing the last episode. So I was thinking about like Thalia being a tree when I was thinking about like when we were talking about um the different levels of the underworld or whatever and i'm like okay she's a hero like she deserves to be in elysium but instead of like letting her go there zeus turned to in her, turned her into a tree like she's like wouldn't it be better to just let her die and go to elysium yes absolutely he essentially has damned her by turning her into a tree what what were we thinking what were we thinking i don't know all the rules i just know that hades is a boss very very attractive that's all i know and another wife guy mm-hmm. <laughs> best kind of wife guy is hades if a man doesn't love me like that i might as well date a woman because i know a woman would i know a woman would i was gonna be like this is why hades is the least problematic god but i, I don't know that he is least problematic of the big three i feel like that's a pretty easy for oh for sure for sure of the 12 perhaps artemis is the least problematic she just frolics with her merry band of maids, day in and day out. Love Artemis. No idea who that is. Ah, okay. Um, so um, we're also celebrating Grover getting his searcher's license, which is exciting. Very proud of him. Hooray! Yeah, generally, you know, things are things are pretty good in the start of this chapter. Like, um, Percy gets a letter from his mom saying that Gabe disappe- disappeared, and unrelated, she sold a sculpture called the Poker Player. And got so much money that she put a down payment down on her new apartment. She paid for a semester at NYU and also put down a deposit at a private school in the city for Percy. So girl boss of her. I hope she didn't have to pay taxes on that. Oh, <laughs> that's such a good point. It's going to get audited by the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I did some more math here because I am a hashtag a woman in STEM. Um, because I think being a science teacher counts as that. Um, the E is for education, right? That's what. That's what STEM is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Science, technology, education, and math. So science yeah. is there and education. There you go. Boom. It's actually engineering. I, I no. know. No. No, it's not. <laughs> Thank you. Well, oh. I'm sorry. I couldn't tell if this is real or not. I don't want to be a misinformation machine, okay? <laughs> That's what this podcast is meant to do. We are misinforming voters. We spread misinformation on this podcast sometimes. Okay, so my math, my math that I did. Um, so none of none of the things that she paid for are cheap. Like especially nowadays, like some of these fancy private schools in the city have tuition that's like sixty thousand dollars a year per kid. Truly insane numbers. So I looked it up in two thousand four, and I found some like articles that talked about like some of the elite private schools charging close to like twenty six thousand dollars. Um, but also I. She says good private school. I don't know if it's one of the like big ones. I mean, 
it's it's not because it's like fictional but would one of these elite private schools accept a kid like percy who's been kicked out of six schools in the last six years i don't know if you have enough money they'll take anyone i feel like yeah that's mm-hmm. like a ballpark like we, we could be looking at like several thousand dollars here like we're probably we're probably looking at like ten thousand dollars at least but then she she did say it was just a deposit that she put down so that was probably less i don't know then i did look up what nyu's tuition in 2005 was and it was fourteen thousand nine hundred and forty five dollars a semester assuming like she didn't get any financial aid or anything and then average rent prices are always weird because it like depends on the neighborhood and they don't tell us like where they're moving to or what and like they also could have gotten lucky and found something rent controlled. I don't know. Um, but from what I found, like a two bedroom in 2005, on average, would go for like $1,600, which oh. compared to oh. today, oh. compared to today, I'm like, oh, that's cheap. God. Like that's, I could, I could have a two bedroom myself in 2005. What money. were we doing at six, seven, eight years old that we weren't purchasing real estate? Why was I not um, investing in real estate? We should have shorted the stock market <laughs> during oh the Great Recession. Should have done it. I also, I don't know when the like security deposit laws went into effect where like landlords can only charge one month's rent. So the deposit also might have been more than one month's rent. All this to say, I guesstimate that she needed to get at least $20,000 for this statue in order to get all the things. Did she have life insurance money on Gabe too? That's what I was wondering. But also I'm like, if he's not dead, he's just missing. Like at what point would she get that money? (laughs) Sydney? (laughs) Um, I know this one. I know this one, guys. So life insurance only pays out when you have a death certificate and the cause of death is listed on the death certificate but also if you need a death certificate how did gabe manage to get sally's life insurance money because he says he had to return it like okay do we really think that rick knew about the inner workings of a life insurance agency this is this i mean probably not (laughs) he didn't know how far away the river was from the st louis that's so true exactly he was like okay uh, so Sally has died, quote unquote, in my story, life insurance, when really, um, the business of death is just so tedious. From every, from every crime show that I've watched, usually you can't declare an adult dead if they're missing until like seven years. Like you have to wait seven years. So you can declare them dead without a body, but it takes a while. Might vary from state to state. But if there's not a cause of death listed, I feel like, I feel like she, she's never going to get that life insurance money and- that's fine because she has the yes. statue money right like we're gonna write that off but also like i do think um sally is a very smart and savvy woman so my um assumption would be that she didn't spend all of the money she earned from the statue up front um so she's probably holding on to funds to continue to pay for her education and to continue to pay for percy's education oh my gosh maybe she put it in like yeah. a hedge fund or probably. a nice uh cd or something like she's Mm-hmm. I feel like she's got investment somewhere. She's got she's got gotta have something going on. And this has been our financial podcast segment. <laughs> um, yeah. So Percy says he reads over his mom's letter every night and tries to decide how he's gonna answer her. Like, is he coming back to the city or is he staying at camp? And all of a sudden it's the fourth of July and Percy and Annabeth are spreading out a picnic blanket to watch the fireworks and 
going to the fireworks together is interesting considering and maybe maybe this is a spoiler it well this is most definitely a spoiler but i don't care because it's not actually important but we do find out later that the fireworks are the dating event of the summer so going to the fireworks together did you say the dating event yes the okay. dating event of the summer where you take whoever you're interested in to the fireworks and then you take them to the old-fashioned soda shop to get a malt milkshake <laughs> Yeah, and they're also your cousin, but... Okay, okay. Just like in the 50s, too. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had this conversation last time. We're not going to rehash it. Um, <laughs> because I'm right, and you refuse to accept that cousin incest is a thing. What? Accepting that, like, dating your cousins is weird? Like, no, I accept that. Yeah, but they're cousins, and so you can't ship Percy and Annabeth together. You can't do it. I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. It's illegal. I'm making it illegal. This son can't stop me because I can't read. <laughs> they can arrest me because I'm literally never going to stop. They invented love and that's it. They are 12 years old. The laws of genetics can't stop me because gods don't have <laughs> DNA. There are so many moments in this chapter that like they're they're not they're not in love, but they are like reaching their partners in crime besties era. And I'm so here for it. And that's that's what makes it so oh good. God. Like we at at our core, they are partners, they are best friends, and Percy would absolutely do the dishes. <laughs> that's just it. Yeah. So while they're at the fireworks, Grover tells them bye because he's headed out to find Pan. Um he gives Annabeth a hug, but just claps Percy on the shoulder because ah, boys don't hug. And Percy tries not to think about the fact that no searcher has ever returned alive. So things look good for Grover. There's really just kind of a montage of, like, different things happening. Percy says, like, July passed with him devising strategies for capture the flag. And, like, he gets to the top of the lava wall for the first time. And he also thinks about the prophecy and is like, yeah, it came true for sure. And I kind of wish that we got more scenes of just, like, Percy and Annabeth having fun and just, like, living their best lives at camp because... We really only get things at camp that are, like, plot relevant, and I want them just having a nice, fun summer. Where's the fluff? Exactly. I always want more fluff. And so Percy feels kind of uneasy about the last two lines of the prophecy, the betrayal, and the failing to save what matters most, which is an interesting observation. And before we know it, it's the end of summer, and they're passing out the camp bead, which has a trident on it because Percy is the main character. And the next morning, Percy still hasn't made a decision about leaving or staying because he says deadlines aren't real until they're staring him in the face. And that's, that's so real of him. Like being, like, I also, also like cannot do anything in advance. Like if I do not have a real concrete deadline, it's not happening. Even with a deadline. I'm like, don't worry about this later. Yeah. Like I have a... uh, wedding in connecticut in two weeks and i still don't know how i'm getting to connecticut because <laughs> time isn't real you st- oh my god oh y'all are making me so sick to my stomach because if i'm not at least three days early early to any given deadline um i might as well die i i finished my i wrote and finished my thesis in two weeks of the deadline so i put it off for the entire semester i remember you doing that and then you like did not sleep for two weeks no no i didn't i lived off starbucks energy drinks and i went to bed at like 8 a.m every morning and then woke up at noon and 
I passed and I got thesis of the year. So I know I would be like leaving for work and you were still up. I'm an adult. I can do what I want. I mean, you can, but should you? Is it advisable? Mm-hmm. Instead of making a decision, he does what I often do and just like does something to pass the time. So he decides to go sword fight about it for a little while. Um, and guess who he finds in the sword fighting arena? You both know you read the book. Um, it's our bestie Luke. And Luke is <laughs> annihilating the dummies, and he has this fancy new double-sided sword. It's it's steel and celestial bronze together, which can hurt mortals and immortals both. Like, that's not a red flag at all. Like, that's a normal weapon that someone who's on the right side of... That is a well-adjusted young man, okay, <laughs> who has no daddy issues. Right. That's our That's our friend, Camp Counselor Luke. Like, he's... A model for the children. <laughs> Luke lures Percy into the woods with the promise of Coke, and they sit there just drinking them and talking about quests. And I just, I have to. You gotta say Coca Cola. You immediately said that, and I'm like, oh my god, he's. I read the book, and I was like, oh my god, he's like gonna give Percy cocaine. Why would it be cocaine? I don't know, but you said Coke. That was like the immediate thought. I was like, oh my God. Okay, sorry, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. Just saying no. (laughs) So he lures him off for Coca-Cola. But okay, I I have to point out something here because Percy says that like, he's looking at Luke and he's like, Luke looks kind of weary and angry and not at all handsome. Like Percy is fully like, something is off about Luke because he doesn't look as hot as he usually does. And he blames this on like hearing girls talk about how hot Luke is, but I'm like, Percy, why are you pointing this out? Why are you noticing that Luke is not as hot as usual? He can appreciate the way a man looks without feeling threatened in his masculinity. It's a wee bit fruity. Percy is a bisexual king, and I stand by that. He has a type. (laughs) He has a type. And his type is athletic blondes that could kill him. Thank you. And speaking of killing Percy, Luke tells him that he's leaving and brought him here to say goodbye. And he summons a scorpion. And he's like, this scorpion can jump 15 feet. It'll pierce right through clothes. You'll be dead in 60 seconds. And finally, Percy catches up to where Julie was three weeks ago. And... He realizes that, like, Luke is the friend who currently is slash did betray him. And Luke says he saw a lot out there. Darkness growing, monsters getting stronger. And he realized that, like, being a pawn of the gods is useless. And they should have been overthrown years ago. And that Western civilization is a disease killing the world and they need to start over. And this this is very much, to me, like, that one meme that's, like, heartbreaking. The worst person you know just made an excellent point. (laughs) Because ah, Luke is just such an interesting villain to me because like he's not wrong like everything we've seen about the gods is that like they suck unbelievably much but also like yes western civilization and the gods are whack but also like you know who else is whack chronos like you can't exchange one tyrant for another and like expect things to be different or better that's so a question for the two of you would you categorize in terms of this specific book Luke to be a sympathetic villain no I felt I didn't like this line actually I didn't like the western civilization is a disease line I was like you're you're so close you're really close to getting it but I just it felt almost like you know how like when 
people like describe like human beings as like a disease and like the problem like we're causing climate change and all of this and you're like you're so close you're really close but then you realize that they're actually like an eco-fascist that's what he's giving me mm-hmm. here like you're really close to discovering what the actual problem is but you're not doing a deep enough analysis like i don't like the like western civilization like my idea was like western i would call it like western imperialism which is a bit more it's less about the gods and more about like the government but i'm like you're so close yet so far i think i think that's a good read on it because it's like you're you're recognizing that there are problems and there are things that are not okay that like need to be fixed but you're not going about it the right way it's the it's like the fatalism almost of saying it's a disease you know it's like automatically right. uh, you're automatically like predestined to follow like a certain like if it's a disease it needs to be eradicated like you have a specific mm-hmm. end goal in mind instead of uh, like reformation almost but i did not i did not find him sympathetic at all i was like oh like Maybe that's because, like, I was like, oh, he's going to betray Percy, and Percy's obviously who you're supposed to identify with, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, I didn't, I don't know. It's a very punitive view of the world Mm -hmm. Luke has, okay? So, Mallory, what do you think in terms of this book? I also think no. I think, like, the actions that he takes in this book are not exactly forgivable, like, the way that he would have been willing to just sacrifice Percy with the shoes and like send him to Tartarus and the way that he just goes immediately to I'm gonna murder Percy with the scorpion kind of at the end here feels very irredeemable to me and I like don't have a lot of sympathy for him like my I I don't I don't have a lot of sympathy for Luke in general like I just feel like we've made we're we make some bad choices but it's like I don't know you can kind of take a step back as an adult and be like kind of like Julie said like you're so close to getting it but you're still like way off base Mm -hmm. what about you I a couple different opinions over the course of my life when I was a kid reading this story I did not think he was sympathetic uh and I thought he was really needlessly cruel and while I still think he's needlessly cruel as an adult uh I also think as an adult he's just a kid And he's a very, very lost kid and had a really bad influence come into his life at just the right time and corrupt him. And I think, you know, reading this story again in our present world and everything that's going on with like the male loneliness crisis and um, the alt-right pipeline that like young boys are falling down because I think the latest study and it probably has changed at this point in time but what in 2022 all it took was like six clicks um to get to alt-right propaganda on youtube i think that there is some kind of metaphor in that and like you know what is our role as a society to um prevent this happening and i think it also connects back to the larger conversation that we had earlier about Camp Half-Blood. Like what role is Camp Half-Blood really serving? Because sure, outwardly it's protecting these youths from these monsters, but what is the work that they're 
doing with these kids who have been abandoned and mistreated? How are they like facilitating the growth and development of the whole child? Um, so I think this is a systemic issue that has happened um, and had those with power once again been more careful and more cautious um, and been more attentive this wouldn't have happened. So ultimately it is the fault of these larger systems that this did happen. Um, so while absolutely he is evil, at the end of the day, he is a kid who has been failed by this system. I mean, yeah, that's that that's very that's very true. And I think that's kind of why you can get to the like Luke is right, but goes about it wrong kind of idea that a, a lot of people kind of seem to have. One thing, one thing that gets me about Luke and in turn Percy I feel like they mirror each other a lot and in Luke you see like what Percy could have become if things had been different and in Percy you see what Luke could have been if things had been different like I've I said it before a couple episodes ago episodes ago that like their arrivals to camp mirror each other like you've got Percy and Luke getting to camp with this person that they feel like they have to protect in like Percy feeling like he needs to protect the unconscious Grover and like Luke feeling like he needs to protect Annabeth. And then they both have this like female figure that sacrifices themselves in order for them to make it to camp safely, like Dahlia for Luke and then Sally for Percy. And I think the biggest, I mean, there's, there's lots of differences, but like the biggest difference between them is like Percy manages to get his mom back in a way that like Luke doesn't get Dahlia back. And I think if Percy had been in the same situation and he had had five years to just like marinate on what went wrong and like just let that anger build and build and like per Percy could have ended up in the same place as Luke. And I think like had Luke been able to go on a successful quest quickly and like get Dahlia back, like he could have ended up being more of the Percy and like the hero instead of where he ended up. And so it's sad to see like the way that these systems and like these things failed Luke and like made him become what he is. But unfortunately, I just cannot see past some of the choices. How, how old is Luke in this, this first book? Luke is 19. In this book? In this book, he's 19. He's 19 in The Lightning Thief. Yeah. It, no. I thought he was like 16, 17. No, he's 19. See that? That changes something that does that does change something because luke came to camp when he was 14 so he's 19 five years later he's an adult because he's an adult but he was also like an adult that was deprived of a real education so uh he he was 17 when he like went on his failed quest and that's where he like encountered chronos and kind of got brainwashed so like 17 is a child 19 is honestly still a child i just don't like the idea like he has some agency right you know and that's that's where I like lose yeah not all sympathy but most sympathy like you have agency over yourself like per even Percy like Percy's what 12 he had he had an opportunity to save his mom sacrifice one of his friends they both were willing to sacrifice themselves to save his mom and he didn't and I think that that is probably the main difference between yeah. what Percy is versus I don't think I don't think Percy ever could have become Luke. Yeah, but um I don't know. There's just there's a bit of agency that Luke has that I don't think that prevents me from seeing him as this sympathetic villain. I think the only way that Percy could have become Luke is in like taking away all the people 
that he cares about because that's that's the thing with Percy like he cares so much about the people around him that he's not going to do anything that's going to hurt the people that he cares about Mm -hmm. and I think Luke kind of loses sight of all the people that he cares about that he's hurting namely like Annabeth um but you know now does he does he come back? Like, are we going to meet him again? Or is this a, you're going to have to read another book thing that you're not going to tell me? Would my answer make you read another book? I don't know if I'm going to, I haven't made up my mind. I really, mm-hmm. I just, well, if you say yes, I might be tempted because I'm like, oh, like, are we going to resolve this? Like, yeah. uh, maybe I need more. Maybe I need more. You're not going to tell me, are you? I No, I'm trying to figure out like how big of a spoiler I... <laughs> to give you. He's got to come back, right? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. We see Luke again. He's got to. Yeah. Okay, okay. I got something out of you. Yeah. You got yeah. to give me something sometimes. You know? Oh, do we see Luke again? Um, Yeah. But, and we're, we're not even finished with this. We got like halfway through the Luke-Percy betrayal scene. Okay, so Percy like tries to bait Luke into a fight and Luke's like, I'm not Aries, you can't get me to fight you. And so Luke does a thing that I forgot that he could do until they did it in the show. He like slashes his sword and disappears. Like I forgot that he just could do that. And um, Luke disappears right as Scorpion attacks. But you know, of course, Percy is our main character. So he doesn't die. He manages to make it back to camp in time. And then he wakes up in the infirmary. And once again, Annabeth is there giving him nectar because of course... And Percy tells Annabeth and Chiron what happened. And Annabeth takes it a lot better than I probably would have. She's like, I can't believe that Luke actually, no, I can believe that Luke, like he hasn't been the same since his quest. And Percy's like, we have to go after the him. And Chiron says, you're not ready to go right now. And um, Percy asks Chiron, he's like, so this prophecy that you have, is it about Kronos? Am I in it? Is Annabeth? And I just think it's very cute that they're so partners in crime at this point that, like, Percy can't imagine that, like, he would be involved in some prophecy and, like, Annabeth also not be involved. Like, he's like, if I'm in it, Annabeth, like, Annabeth's got to be in it. Like, we're in this prophecy. They're besties. They're partners. He's like, if I have to take on Luke, like, if I'm fighting Kronos, we're doing it together. Annabeth and I. Till the end of time. Percy still has not made a decision if he's staying or leaving because he was too busy dying, you know. And Annabeth tells him that she took his advice and decided that she's going home for the year. So she wrote her dad a letter and they decided that they're going to try again. And Annabeth tells Percy, don't do anything dumb, at least not without calling me first. Partners in crime. And she says next summer, they'll hunt down Luke. Even if they don't get an official quest, they'll just sneak off. Partners in crime. I just wrote like partners in crime several times throughout this with like increasing intensity, like First time I just wrote it, then it was like in all caps, and then it was bolded, and then I like did the thing where you put a space in between every letter, like just partners <laughs> in crime, because that's what they are. And then Percy, seeing Annabeth leave, makes his final decision that he will be returning to the mortal world as well. And that's the lightning thief. Um, but question, do we think that if Annabeth had stayed at camp, Percy would have been more inclined to stay? Oh my gosh, you... Perkabeth truther. Perkabeth? Are you not the one who used to make fun of me for calling it Perkabeth? Oh, I know. That's why I brought it back. <laughs> I say Persabeth now, but you've been convinced. Um, I do because I 
think it's all about community and like where does Percy currently have community he has it with his mom because at camp Annabeth's leaving and Grover is off searching for Pan um so he doesn't really have anybody at camp so I think it's uh in honesty if he were to really sit and contend with himself which I know he's like a 12 year old boy so that's really difficult um it's a pretty yeah. easy choice it's, it's just it's funny to me that like the way he's been agonizing over this decision and the second Annabeth's like oh I'm leaving he's like I'm leaving too <laughs> gotta go okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm out uh, okay the other thing the other thing that I wanted to talk about Percy says that the like failing to save what matters most in the end is him like letting his mom save herself, which I'm like, yeah, that's one interpretation. Um, I don't know if I find that the most satisfying because I feel like the other way you could read it is that failing to save what matters most is his like failure to save Luke and like convince Luke that this like path that he's on is like not not that Percy really has that much of a chance to convince Luke but I don't know like I I feel like the bigger thing here is like not being able to convince Luke to stay like letting Luke go down this path that he's going on because I mean spoiler I guess for Julie but like Luke making the choices he makes is you know, like, like we see him again making his bad, bad decisions. Like, he's someone that will continue to be an antagonist because of the choices he's making. Do, does that fall, like, was it Percy's responsibility to save him? Probably not. Like, he was already kind of pretty far gone before Percy got there. And I don't know that he would have been able to walk away at this point. Like, Kronos probably would have killed, does he have enough power to kill him? I don't, I don't actually know. But He's stuck in that pit. Like, how's he going to get to him? He can't even... He can't even suck Percy down. That is that is true. I don't know. I just feel like the 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 Sally part of it has never sat right with me. I don't know. Like that that being the I agree. Um that doesn't compel me. You know? Yeah. Like that's too easy. And I think it's also part of like Percy before Luke's betrayal trying to reconcile those last two lines. Um, because, you know, if we take a look at the prophecy as a whole, things often come in pairs. The questions are answered in pairs. Um, so he's trying to make this all fit together. Oh, I was betrayed by Aries. And then that ultimately led me to my mother and led me to losing my mother. Right. So I think ultimately uh you will fail to save what matters most in the end that happens in like the greater context and so i think you're right i think it's all about uh his failure to um save luke from himself which i agree there was not much he could have done like done at that point luke was pretty far gone but based off of like who percy is as a character i would hazard a guess that um later on in his life he feels like that is his own failing and fault that he couldn't save luke from himself yeah it also feels like if you know we're we we went on this quest to stop a war and like return the bolt but in the end like we fail to stop the even bigger war like we fail to stop the even bigger conflict that's coming like down the road i don't know just think it's a more interesting way to read it um julie what do you think about the ending um i know like do you think it was satisfying like were you no <laughs> okay wow 
<laughs> I was I was like, why are they going home? I was like, I was actually very surprised by one. I hate Annabeth going back to her family. I have to be honest. Like, Same. I'm like, I don't like that because as a character, she seemed very headstrong, very independent. And this going back to this family that I think it's only going to end up in heartbreak again um, seemed a bit out of character, but also she's like a tween girl. So she just wants to be accepted by the world, including her family, especially mm-hmm. by her family. So it do- it makes sense in like the mind of a like a 12 year old girl because um, we've all been there. But I, think I did not find that part satisfying at all. I was like, don't, like, you have your found family. Like, stay, stay where you know you're loved. Like, I see there's a couple of reasons that I can kind of make my peace with this choice that she makes. Number one, the way that she's the one that tells Percy that, like, the the real world is how you know if you're any good or not. Yeah. And so there's, like, no value in staying at camp and just training 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 and like never experiencing the real world so I think she was in the real world though they did all this shit they... yes but I also think like what what are the odds that she's gonna get another quest I mean they just said that they're <laughs> pretty pretty good pretty good considering there's other books but like um <laughs> like how long is she gonna have to wait to get another quest like she's well they just said they're gonna go after Luke again like yeah 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 no you're right but also it's like okay her her going back to like kind of experience more of the real world I don't hate um and then the other thing that I think you can take it as is like Percy kind of shifting her worldview a little bit like she's been very much living in this like this world of the gods like she's had nothing but this since she was seven years old and like she kind of knows the rules of this world and very much operates through this lens whereas like Percy is very new to this world but he kind of like operates through the lens of like his mortality and like the mortal side of things and so I think like in her like getting to know Percy like she also may want to like reconnect with her mortal side I don't know I agree I think Percy is the perspective shift she needs um and like her introduction or reintroduction maybe into the real world and now that she has a taste of it I think she wants to explore what it really is like to straddle those two lines yeah I also some of it also might be um former school teacher Rick Riordan trying to show kids like school's important and so our adventures are going to take place over the summer and during the school year (laughs) they're going to go to school they have respect. They have respect for the American education system. The monsters won't interrupt your studies, kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The the monsters only attack in the summer. Luke only attacks in the summer. Um, is is that the only part that was unsatisfying for you? Because like I I agree. I hate Annabeth going back to her family. I think y- you know, I have said it before and I will say it again. I am a Chase family hater, but Yeah, I guess like I liked that Grover gets to go on his search he got a searcher's license and he gets to go to try try to find a pan but i really hope he comes back to help kick luke's ass i want to see the band of brothers back together again i don't know it's very very interesting read i will give you that um definitely written for 12 year olds though it's good though it's good good children's literature no i think i would have liked this as a yeah i mean i think in terms of children's literature it's very very good well if it um sweetens the deal any um (laughs) I have the first three 
chapters of Sea of Monsters. I have their titles oh if you want God. to hear them. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So the first chapter of Sea of Monsters is My Best Friend Shops for a Wedding Dress. Okay. Um, chapter two, I play dodgeball with cannibals. And three, we hail the taxi of eternal torment. Oh, those are good. Those are good. Because the last few in this one were kind of like phoning it in. Uh, yeah, not great. Those... Not great. Um, but the good the good news is I feel like you can get Sea of Monsters done in like six episodes. Because you don't need to devote as much time to it because it's much shorter. But yeah, and I mean, either way, you're going to take a couple weeks off so you can read adult books. Yes, I'm very excited. And Sydney, Sydney will be back at some point to talk about the TV show with me as well as other friends. So like, this is the question. Will Julie come back to the pod? Will Sydney continue to run her mouth? Will Mallory <laughs> start to slip back into her Pergabeth era? We'll see. Although those chapter titles, very good. I'll give you that. Those are good ones. All these questions and more revealed. Well, I don't know. I feel like I've been podcasting with like one hand tied behind my back, like not being able to say half the things I want. So maybe I don't want to do a podcast with Julie anymore. Ooh, that's the... <laughs> this is some reverse psychology happening. Will Mal and Julie's friendship survive? That's that's the... The answer is no. Yeah, it's over. Well, yeah. Upcoming, some episodes about the show. And then... I'm going to bully Julie into coming back in April for Sea Monsters. I can't be bullied. I'm an independent woman. I can only be, I guess I could be coerced against my will. Bribed? Are you going to bribe me? Actually, that's a good one. What are you going to give me? What do you want? You know what? I'll think on it. I gotta, gotta see. Maybe I'll make you buy me dinner when I come visit, whenever that is. Okay. That's easy. That's easy. I'm an easy, not really. I'm very high maintenance, to be honest. <laughs> that's, that's another thing. I feel like. So it's it's like a thing to pick um, who your godly parent would be in the Percy Jackson universe. And I have never felt more strongly about someone's godly parent than I do about yours. Oh my God. Who? <laughs> you are 100% a child of Aphrodite. You know what? I'm going to take that as a huge compliment. It is. I really am. It like is. Like that, I think that's one of the nicest things anyone has said to me. So thank you. And then Sydney, I've, I've got no idea. <laughs> okay, besties, I've got to eat dinner. I'm gutsy. I'm so hungry. So fun. This this was really fun, and Sydney should be here more often because I love y'all. This was amazing. Peace out. <laughs> All right. Love you both. See ya. See ya. Hey, hey, thanks for listening. If you want more of our unhinged selves, you can find us on Instagram, the social media formerly known as Twitter, and now TikTok at at DemigodDebutPod. Um, you'll find me there posting memes and other fun little things while Julie avoids social media because spoilers. You can also email us at DemigodDebut at gmail.com. Catch you later. Bye! Bye!